hello everyone my name is yusuf and i'm absolutely thrilled to be your host for this exciting talk show which is a part of abc conclave all about crypto all about crypto is world's largest crypto carnival said to be the most prestigious conference in dubai scheduled on 7th and 8th of october this extraordinary event combines gaming and e-sport tournaments vibrant music festival and captivating cosplay attracting a diverse audience of over 20000 plus attendees from across the globe the talk shows are a part of uh, pre-event activities uh, today's talk show topic is blockchain beyond borders building global bridges for innovation and addition adoption embracing this theme we are honored to be joined by subject experts and blockchain visionaries hailing from various corners of the world usa uae india and singapore the significance of our gathering lies in the undeniable impact of blockchain technology which has surpassed geographical limitations uniting a diverse community of innovators and adopters from every corner of the globe this serves as a powerful testament uh, to the transformative potential of blockchain transcending borders and force fostering collaboration on a global scale uh so at if at any point the audience has any questions for our speakers please feel free to write it down in the chat we will try and take a few question if the time permits without further ado uh, let me introduce our esteemed panelists first up we have uh, mr chris bennett also known as the blockchain beard guy with 20 plus years of id services consulting experience chris is a passionate web3 educator and architect as a co-founder of leading blockchain education company chris has certified over 150000 students in blockchain technologies he is a prominent figure in, uh, in the blockchain community advocating for transformative change through education and innovation we are honored to have you chris at our panel today oh thank you it's an honor to be here the honor is ours chris anyways let's move on to our next panelist uh, mr shailesh kunat So Shailesh uh, will be joining us in a few minutes uh, but a little bit about Mr Shailesh is he is a passionate advocate for blockchain technology and a co-founder of Masari Capital a mina focused VC firm with a solid grasp of economics and financial models Shailesh actively invests in startups across various industries including crypto fintech healthcare and more he also brings expertise as an aircraft engineer and member of the Royal Aeronautical Society Shailesh's diverse expertise and unwavering dedication to blockchain investments and aviation make him a valuable asset to our panel and we are delighted to have him with us today in a few minutes. So extremely honored to have our next panelist meet Raj Kapoor the founder of India Blockchain Alliance a leading tech think tank with over 50 advisory board memberships in blockchain companies he is a global blockchain and cryptocurrency educator and a certified bitcoin professional raj is also a tedx speaker ai robotics and cyber security expert with a regular contribution to prestigious publications like economic times and fortune we are thrilled to have you raj with your expertise on our panel today pleasure to be here thank you so much the pleasure is ours raj so moving on uh, we have our next panelist uh, mr andy lien Andy is a dynamic business strategist in Asia with extensive experience advising various industry governments and uh, public listed companies an early adopter of blockchain he is also a serial entrepreneur best selling author and avid investor and Andy's passion for blockchain and his belief in its transformative potential drives his mission to revolutionize traditional businesses we're thrilled to have uh, you Andy 
with your expertise and insights today. So our talk show is moderated by Jenny Zeng, a seasoned media professional with over 13 years of experience. In 2017, she founded Blockcast, a Singapore-based blockchain media and official Google news source with a substantial subscriber base of 80,000 and a mailing list of 250,000. Blockcast has become a prominent platform in the blockchain and technology space. Jenny is not only an exceptional keynote speaker and panelist, but also a skilled moderator. Her profound understanding of media and blockchain makes her a confident and charismatic speaker on stage. We are privileged to have you, Jenny, leading our talk show today. So today we have the privilege of hosting brilliant minds from different corners of the world, each contributing unique expertise and insights to this talk show. I extend a warm welcome to each one of you to this enlightening talk show on blockchain beyond borders, building global bridges for innovation and adoption. Without further ado, I hand the reins to Jenny Zeng to steer us through this exciting journey. Over to you, Jenny. Why don't you start asking us the questions? We are all ready. Uh, or some audience is there. Maybe you can ask some of the questions until Jenny recovers her voice. Yeah, let's 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 start talking. You know, I think let's start uh, talking. Otherwise, we 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 love to see each other's face, but that's fine. We've already seen that, <laughs> so let's get talking. Yeah, we have seen the less the least of Chris's face because it's all covered with his beard, and the most of Andy's <laughs> he's clean shaven. I'm in I'm in the middle somewhere there. I got a mustache, but no beard. <laughs> all three of us are here, so maybe you can start till Jenny gets back her voice or her mojo. And, yeah, she, uh, she's actually speaking at the moment, but uh, there's some, uh, yeah, there's some issue over there. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I, I think I think we can ask a few questions. Like, from my end, I think I'll uh, ask a question. Yeah. So, given, uh, Mr. Raj, uh, given your experience in supporting startups and investing in emerging technologies, uh, what criteria do you consider uh, when selecting promo uh, promising blockchain products uh, to invest in? quite simple actually they should be solving some real world problem otherwise there's a lot of uh, fluff in the market and I, in a, typically in a day i get about 20 25 uh, proposals of saying you know we are the best thing since sliced bread but there's nothing really been there since sliced bread you know and nothing much has been happening since then so what i really see is three four things which i really look out for one is very critically is it solving a real world problem and if it's not solving the real world problem how is it enhancing existing solutions, either of the two? Solving a real-world problem is the first, that's for sure. The second thing I see, whether the promoters have the wherewithal in them to actually last beyond the first year. And I'm not talking about money, I'm not talking about finance. Finance, we can pick up on the way, yes, if we have a good product. The third, I always ask them, do you have a validation? And validation, I mean, do you have a customer, even if it's a small one, even if it's a proof of concept, do you have that? If they have it, great. No, we'll get something for them, not a problem. But the pro again, the product should be great. The next thing I would like to say is the promoters themselves. Are they really hungry? Are they really getting the, going to uh, dig their heels deep inside and lust? And most important, I always check whether their family and friends have funded them first before anything else. If, they have, if, they, if your family friends don't trust your product, sorry, guys, I'm not going to really put my money inside there either. Or I'm not going to recommend it either. So there are four or five things. There are many, many more features. And of course, I would love to see their tech team because most of the failures I've seen, because most startups either don't have a tech team or they've outsourced tech 
or the tech guy suddenly gets a better offer and leaves off halfway through the you know the whole program. So I see the tech team especially, and that's that's my criteria. I'm sure there are, everybody has a different criteria, but that's what I see. At the end of the day, I see whether I can you know when I'm advising them, and uh, if I can make a difference. Last year. I, have, I was very fortunate to advise several companies and we had 17 of these companies getting funded. So I think I must have done something right out there. So I think I'm sticking to my four or five things, which I do. I'm sure Andy and Chris will have their, uh, their opinion as well. Back to you. Yeah, so yeah, I would love to uh, hear some of the opinions of uh, Chris and Andy, like, what you, like if you have anything to add on to those uh, points that uh, Raj just told. Sure, I'll jump in there. I think, you know, Raj makes some great points. Um, you know, number one, he he really hit the nail on the head. It's it's so easy, I think, with emerging technology to get caught up in, in the excitement of the new technology. Um, but if you're not using that technology to either solve a real world problem and give your users some ability they didn't have previously or make some existing ability better, well, then you're, you're just kind of wasting everybody's time, including your own. So I, I think Raj uh, really hit the, the nail on the head with that um you know a couple other things i look for um you know again it's it's very very easy to focus on the technology um, i think a lot of us uh, kind of intuitively think hey whoever's first on this scene with this technology is going to win uh, but history oftentimes shows that's not the case. Uh, for example, we can look back at e-commerce. Um, you guys probably remember a tiny little company uh, 30 years ago that was selling books online and came to dominate uh, the world of global shopping, Amazon.com. But uh, actually, they were not the first ones selling books online. The very first online book retailer was a company called Bookstacks Unlimited. Uh, anybody ever heard of them? Um, no. So I think sometimes there's there's a rush to get behind whoever's first to market uh, without really looking at, uh, hey, are, are they giving users a new ability or improving an existing one? Um, other things I, I look for, hey, are you able to explain the value of your solution or what it is you want to build without talking about the technology? Can you tell me why what you want to build is good without talking about blockchain or crypto or Web3? Um, and then finally, I, I think the team, right? Technology is great, but technology doesn't do things by itself. Um, what does that team look like? Is is there a good winning team? Uh, do we have good, solid resources, not just focused on technology, but really on all areas of business, marketing, communications, finance, management, user support, etc. So um, those, those would be kind of some of the things I'd look for. And uh, I'd really love to hear Andy's thoughts on, on what he thinks is important. Sure. Um, I hope you can hear me right now. But um, what, what, I, what I look at would be really slightly different. You know, uh, thanks. Um, you know, when, whenever we are in the space of uh, uh, blockchain, for example, you know, most people look at use cases. Um, yes, I think use cases are very important. But if you look at many of these projects, they actually over exaggerated the technology that they have. I mean, damn it, man, the, the, the technology is the same, right? You know, some people can say that they have uh, some of the fastest uh, blockchain, uh, but there's nobody using it, you know, so what's the point? You know, it's not put into a good test. So I, I'm not sure, you know, uh, at, at what kind of context we are talking about this, but you know, from, from my personal uh, context, I, I look at things fairly straightforward, you know, in, in this current uh, uh, Web3 uh, arena. You know, I, I look at people 
and how much these people or community is able to generate out uh, certain outputs that I want. It's, it's, it could be volume, it could be social volume, it could be monetary volume, it could be the kind of uh, good partnerships that they have, you know. I'm 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 really a more of a, of a community guy. You know, if there's no community, let's not talk about investing in the project. You know, I I am more like a sniper than uh, you know, trying to get hold of many uh, projects at the same time. Because as as an investor, I I always look at it from a more sniper standpoint. Right, we don't have that kind of energy to take over, you know, 10, 20 projects at a time. You know, uh, you know that's not feasible you know we are not robots so i tend to look at this from a more uh, sniper standpoint yeah hello guys uh can you guys hear me yes, yes, yes. yes. oh great finally i'm back <laughs> and, and i'm glad to see salash is here too so we didn't miss out a lot <laughs> so my name is jenny and i'm the co-founder of blogcast uh just I don't know where guys, where you guys at. Uh, good morning, good evening, and good night. Uh, I'm currently in Seoul, so it's kind of like nine twenty in my time. So, are we on the second question? To yep. Mr. Andy, yep. right? So, yep. Mr. Salash, you are just at the right time. The next question is for you. So, here is the question: uh, In what ways? Can blockchain create opportunities for economic growth and development in Middle East, Africa, and Asia? And how can crypto and blockchain association support this effort? Mr. Zalash? Hey, thank you for the question. And uh, yeah, I made it. Uh, it was a bit difficult, challenging, but hey, I'm here. I'm, um, thank you for having me here. Uh, a great question. You know, so uh, I'm based out of Dubai. And, um, you know, Dubai has always been in the forefront whenever it comes to innovation, whenever it comes to any technology, right? We, we always want to be the first. We always want to be the best. And that's always been the motto for Dubai. Uh, I, I remember back in 2016, one of our partner companies, um, you know, we worked with the government in order to build the... Uh, uh, land departments, title deeds on blockchain back in 2016 before anybody even spoke about blockchain on an enterprise level, right? So the new technology comes with new opportunities, right? So since 2016 in Dubai, we had seen a huge drive from the government to educate uh, the nationals and also the expatriates to embrace new technology, right? Um and to provide solutions to uh, the current existing uh, uh, technologies, you know, using blockchain. So uh, I want to say Dubai has given tons of opportunities, and I'm super glad that you have people from different industries that's embracing blockchain, number one. Uh, but the best way would be to encourage and promote blockchain to other industries so see they see the value of blockchain uh, and they would start building on it as a basic infrastructure for example we don't ask questions such as why do we need a cloud solution or why 5g it's become a norm it's become 
a basic infrastructure need. So once we evolve into blockchain as being one of the basic infrastructures that every uh, uh, enterprise and government want to build on, then I believe the opportunities would just explode, you know, and uh, more and more opportunities for everybody will come about. Okay, great. And uh, next question is for Chris, uh, Mr. Chris Bennett. As blockchain technology matures, what do you see as the most critical next steps to promote the widespread awareness and understanding of its potential beyond borders? Uh, Mr. Chris Bennett. Yeah, that's uh, such a great and, and exciting question. Um, I, I think, uh, and obviously I'm, I'm a little bit biased about this given my mission, but you know, I think the, the best next step is education. Um, just getting people to understand what the technology is, what it's about, why it's so exciting. Um, you know, there's really two steps if, if we look at the learning journey, whether you're learning blockchain or anything else. Um, the first thing you want to learn is, well, what is it? What is blockchain? What is crypto? How does it work? What's going on behind the scenes? Um, but learning that what is only really, really important so you can learn the so what. Why does it matter? What can I do with it? What kind of change can I affect in the world and what kind of opportunities present themselves when we use this technology. So um, I think that critical first step is just getting people to understand what this technology can do, what it's all about, why it's so exciting and how it can apply to their life. Um, you know, we talk about this as being Web3, but we don't use that term lightly. This really is the third generation of the internet. If you think about all the change and opportunity that the internet has introduced into the world over the past few decades. Um, we're poised to see that happen all over again. So uh, if anybody's sitting there watching this and maybe just starting to, to get into the blockchain waters, um, I encourage you to jump right in. Uh, we, we need all the people we can get right now. And it's uh, such an incredible and exciting time to be getting involved. So uh, get yourself educated, figure out what's going on, what excites you, and um, go make your contribution. Make a name for yourself in the world of blockchain. We'd love to have you. Can yes, I ask something sure. to that, Chris? Can I ask? I'd love, yeah, I'd love yeah, sure. sure. Chris, I think education not only is important for people to understand blockchain, but I think even the entire ecosystem, but it includes all stakeholders, including VCs, founders, everybody, because a lot of VCs don't really understand blockchain. I speak to a lot of them. Some do, some keep experts, but I think if we have a holistic ecosystem that understands blockchain, that will give it more wings. Right now, a lot of courses, etc., of you know, are, are actually primed at youngsters, students, people getting into the space. But I think if we don't ignore the rest of the ecosystem, and get them also on board, I think we'll have a better adoption rate than we're having right now. Maybe a founder schools, a VC school for technology. I think that we've already started that in India, by the way. I, I work with more than 200 universities right across the country, and we put in these schools, and we do a lot of VC sessions in India, and a lot of HNI sessions, making them aware of the opportunities which lie, which these technologies give us. And I think the awareness is perfect, education is perfect. Let's just Bring the highway a little more now. Let's extend the highway. That's all what we need. 
That's my consensus. 100%. Rajan, I, I think you hit on a very important point that I, I want to call out to the rest of the audience, which is, hey, there's room in, in this space for everybody, right? It's, it's not just for developers and technical Absolutely. folks or software engineers, right? If you're interested in economics or marketing or finance or management or human resources or investment or uh, you know, any other discipline, there, there is room for you to contribute. So I, I absolutely echo your thoughts, Raj. Uh, same here. Uh, it's never too late to jump in, and the uh, general public uh, need education, and institutions also need to learn. And just like uh, Mr. Salash has mentioned, like at very first beginning, like associations, institutions is also trying to help. And uh, here I want to ask Mr. Andy Lian, since you have a rich experience in working with like uh, governments and uh, regulatory bodies, so what are the key strategies that those like uh, regulatory regulators can implement to create a uh, enabling environment for those like cross-border uh, blockchain innovation and adoption like what should the government do you know like we are educating ourselves what what should they do sure uh, i think i think first of all these these are really big questions um so far if you look at the regulation framework you know many of these countries are not uh, regulated or maybe not ready for regulations, uh, you know, within their own country, and and uh, needless to say that, you know, cross-border transactions and so forth would be something that they 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 they, they really care about because you know their, their banks would be really upset. You know, their their outflow of their capital and outflow of their 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 money is something that they really really care about. So I think my really humble. Uh, suggestion is to get the government themselves understand what they actually want you know i, I just had a session with the uh, turkish uh, ministry um two weeks ago you know i was in uh, ankara you know telling them about you know what they could do with their with their current system you know current current database system that have more than seven um well se se seven thousand gigabyte of um of data you know it, it is it is a huge set of data and to be honest the end conclusion is there's no need for blockchain to be there you know um the other thing that i really want to say is that you know because i i i really talk to many different government and take part in different crypto bills you know uh decentralized uh uh, uh closed door sessions you know with the government and the regulator you know, I, I tend to see a lot of these really, um, well, really, really um, sales-driven uh, consultants, you know, that are there trying to sell what they can sell, you know, to the government, whether it's going to be to, to the Saudi government or going to the, the Dubai government, you know, or, or, or in, uh, in Asia as well. They are overselling the whole technology that is just making things a lot more worse than what it is supposed to be, you know? Um, so humbly, again, I, I love to say that, you know, all, you know, that there should be a certain threshold or a certain ways to, to sieve out all these, um, all these consultants, you know, if we really want the government to believe the work that we are doing, you know, we really need to filter out all these guys, you know? So yeah, that's why, that, that's, that's why I have in mind. Yeah, that's true. You know, sometimes like even the government, 
you know the institutions don't don't. Oh, uh, can you hear me? Yes, Jenny. Can I add to that? Thank you, Andy, yeah, for bringing yeah. um, bringing that up. Right. I mean, for me, there's a huge regulatory arbitrage that exists today. Every different country is working in silos. So even, I mean, if you really want to see worldwide adoption of this technology, all the government need to sit together on on one table, and and just discuss and come up with a regulatory framework that will be implemented worldwide. As long as there are different rules and regulations for, for different countries, we can't really scale. Is my personal opinion. I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you, but but also at the same point, the, on on the same point, it, it is impossible and redundant to have the government uh, having a, a one framework. You know, they they can understand each other what they are trying to do, but having one framework would then be not making uh, uh, economic sense because some countries are stronger. You know, some countries are not, right? Just, it's just like the passport, right? You know, I, I hold a Singapore passport. My passport can go a lot of places. But if you hold a Chinese passport or Indian passport, you know, because because your nation is big, you know, they just can't let everybody come come into certain countries, right? So same analogy, you know, is 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 just um, good to know, but it's really tough to implement it worldwide, and because of the agenda, everybody's have a different agenda. So that is really tough, man. I, I love to see that happening, but as far as I can see, is 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 not is not really possible, man. I agree, Andy, completely. Right, uh, right now we are in a phase where we think it's impossible, but but there are opportunities that we need. I mean, okay, I believe this to starting point. Let's start the discussions, right, and then we see where we end up. But right now. There is no possibility, there's no opportunity or there's no passion from the government to sit down, have a discussion because, right, I mean, do correct me if I'm wrong, right here. See, blockchain is not crypto. It's completely different. And everybody, all the government mix that up and try to have, you know, regulations around the cryptocurrencies. But that's got nothing to do with the underlying technology of blockchain. You see, so at least we, if you separate this, and have one for blockchain, separate that from the cryptocurrencies, etc. But the starting point should be that there should be, a, you know, a, a collaboration between government. Look at Mika. Mika is setting everything apart. They come together, the European Union, and say, "Hey, guys, this is for the European Union." So it is possible. We see that being done in in Europe now. If it's done in Europe, we could probably get, you know, something for Asia done as well. You know, we should we could have a, an association, blockchain association for Asia, and then expand on that, you know, to other parts of the of the world. You know, but but that's the way to the best way to collaborate and the best way to scale. I believe is to start the conversation. Uh, I understand. I agree with you, Andy. That right now it doesn't. It looks extremely difficult, but at least. Let's start the conversation somewhere. I I I I think that if we are talking about blockchain adoption uh, itself, it has already been adopted. You know, many places. No one is going to talk about it. If you are talking about a, a collective um, structure for cryptocurrency, 
that is never gonna gonna happen because of how the money and fiat is uh, interrelated. If you look at Euro uh, or Mika as an example, I think they are not doing well. You know, so so that's also one reason why it's really tough to have have uh, have 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 a have a common currency or even a common understanding. It will happen if 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 there's, there could be a World, World War III where everything is just just destroy and and, and re, re, remake, man. I mean, that could be quite extreme. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sure like uh, whenever or whatever uh, like path we're taking, but we're definitely going there. And, um, you know, now comes to the most important uh, question. And I think like uh, like many, uh, like I think most of the traders or like uh, uh, individual investors really care about uh, is about the security. Right, because we hear a lot of like hacking, like um, like rug pulls, or like a lot of those stuff. So people started to lose face. So my next question is: As blockchain adoption grows globally, what potential risk and vulnerability need to be addressed to ensure the security and integrity of the cross-border transaction? And this question is for Raj, Miss Mr. Raj. Yeah, right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Jamie. Actually, it all leads out a little bit from what Andy and Shailesh was talking about. We need standards. I think it's, the old conversation should begin, first of all, with standards and frameworks. That could be common for a lot of countries. They don't have to be very specific. That's my take on my, that's my first. Uh, a second, and I think most important when you talk about security, one of the things, and I've spoken recently at the G20, and I've spoke that, and this has been taken up pretty seriously, and I hope it's actually implemented or at least talked about, is bringing about a lot more tech experts within the policy framework. When we talk policy, we, we talk in all the big five-star hotels, we talk in big cities, we talk in all the great places. But frankly speaking, most of the people, are none of the people, in fact, I've spoken to right now, excepting maybe very scattering few, are from the tech space. Why? Because of the same problem, the security aspect. That's where they can actually play a very big role in plugging the problems and actually giving inputs and where the other policyholders and all stakeholders can actually play the other roles and make that very robust from a policy perspective, framework and standards perspective. Now, coming back to the security from a tech perspective, listen, everything we talk about right from the time we enter a house and we lock us, we, we lock our house always. Technology has lots of loopholes. And that's again, I stress on the fact that if you have somebody who understands technology fairly well, will also know how to plug the loopholes. You might have seen this movie, Catch Me If You Can, Leonardo DiCaprio. Great movie. It actually resonates with exactly the situation where we are right now. If you know the system, then you know how to beat the system. If you know how to beat the system, you'll know all the loopholes in the system, and then you'll know how to plug in those loopholes. That is where we really need. And education, again, plays a very critical role here not just education, awareness, and also understanding the blockchain's infrastructure. A lot of us don't understand the infrastructure. And our infrastructure is pretty broken. There are a lot of places where we can find multiple loopholes. You plug in one, you'll get another leak somewhere. It's like a boat with multiple leaks right now. There's a lot happening, yes. A lot of good stuff happening, but not happening fast enough, I feel. The second part, you talked about the scams, etc. That's nothing to do so much with security as a, is that with intention. It's just like if I give you, you know, we've got great tools. If I give you a good, you know, if I give you a brick, you can either make a wall or you can make a bridge. 
You decide what you want to do with a brick. There are tools. So there are a lot of tools available, very little awareness about them, very little being done about awareness. And most important, everybody still, as uh, Shalesh said, everybody still thinks it's crypto. There's a lot of huge differences out there. Awareness is critical, understanding. And, I, and anybody who's from the tech space out here, I think the core focus for the next few years should be the security aspect. Security is sacrosanct. It's just like, you know, we have this, our elbow is the weakest link or the, or the, or the wrist is the weakest link in our arm. That's going to snap first. Blockchain has that, especially where there, are, there is interoperability. There are so many other, it's intersection with other technologies. It's, it's, there's a lot of thing happening there. But security, I still feel, lacks the same intensity that it needs to have. There are some good work, there's some good work going on. Uh, but I guess it's still work in progress. We are still young. The, the technology is still young. Let's face it. If you look at the enterprise level, they're hardly four or five years old. I mean, we make our mistakes, but then we grow. We fall, we scrape our knees and get up and run again. I think security is in the same space right now, but it's moving fast because with security, as it says, the word itself is there, you feel secure. And when you talk about crypto, crypt means enclosed and kept in a safe place like a crypt. So I guess uh, it's a question of time before we talk more about security. Now, a lot of people understand blockchain. Now, what we need is a little more dissection as to where are the loopholes right now? Where are the security loopholes? I think that's what we'll need to plug now. And I think it's happening. We are, I think, more than halfway there. Next three to five years, we'll see a lot of things happening in this space. That's my two cents on the security aspect. Very, very great insights. Uh, I'm learning a lot. Uh, and actually, like, uh, mm, I know that many platforms, blockchain platforms, like crypto, like companies, they are having all these like bugs and like, uh, uh, and, 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 and problems all the time, like every day, just like a few days before, like CZ was like uh, posting something on his Twitter thing that, oh, we found, uh, we found a bug and we fixed it before the hacker found it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it seems like we can, we cannot stop it. Yeah, I'll we add one more thing to that. Ajay, yeah, one more thing I'd like to say. You know, a lot of us, don't, you know, how many of us have actually been to the darknet? I don't think most of us have been to the darknet. And we have. That's when you get a host of solutions, actually, from a security perspective. As I said, to catch a thief, you need, you need to think like one. I'm not wow. saying one, you need to think like one. And you go to the darknet, not only will you find the problems, you'll also find a lot of solutions. But very few people know how to use the darknet properly. And then everybody thinks the darknet is only for doing the nefarious activities and things which we should not do. But listen, guys, get inside their brain, get inside their skin. Then we'll come to know exactly what they're thinking. That's that's something which I will always, I, I, we've done a lot of work in this. I work a lot with a lot of in, you know it, uh, agencies in India from a security perspective. I, I do a lot of crypto forensics for that matter, tracking and tracing crypto crime. And I tell you one thing, you get most of your solutions in the darknet. So just take a, take a jab at it, get inside, have a little fun, walk out if you don't like it. But don't make that your default. That's, that's my advice as well. Yeah, actually, in this industry, there are a lots of lots of white hat hackers and uh, all the like a huge uh, the world leading platforms. They all have this bounty system, uh, like Binance, Bybit, like uh, OKX. They all have this bounty system. If you found something like serious problem on their platform, then you uh, submit it to the bounty system. They will give you huge, huge reward. Absolutely, and that's most and legally you got the money, you got paid. Okay, cool. 
thanks, Raj. And uh, let's move to our next question. This question is about international partnerships and collaborations and how it can benefit all the participating parties and nations. Uh, so uh, I will give these questions to Mr. Andy Lian and Mr. Salash. So who want to go first? Yeah, I would go. Uh, I believe uh, we did touch on this topic earlier, right? On how, what sort of collaborations is needed, and and for me, on a national level, or even uh, the you know, uh, I, I believe there are alliances out there in Dubai, uh, in the UAE. There are various alliances that's bringing the the stakeholders on 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 the right platform to discuss these collaborations, and and this is key, uh, and. In order to take it further, you got to. I believe what Raj said is that we need to have. There, currently, there are no tech-oriented personnel in these decision makers. And let's be clear, and it's true, right? And that's a starting point, right? Sadly, the institutions, governments, you know, they don't understand this yet, right? And they're not onboarding the tech people, the right tech people to help them to make these uh, collaborations, you know, uh, and, and I believe a lot of these smart minds today are not in the government sector, they're mainly in the private sector with the consultants, etc. Right. Um, and that's other challenges. I think somebody did bring that up uh, earlier that the governments do listen to a lot of consultants, right. But in, in, in their uh, in their team, they need to have a really good tech you know oriented. Uh, Salash, this this part I may cannot agree with you. Do you know why China banned crypto? Because they got this super super smart ass people in their in their government, and then they look at all this thing and they they study and they ask the top minds, top smart people, those mathematical gold medalists and then they say oh this you will like people like your people will spend money on this instead of on rmb so you should ban it that's why they ban it right Jenny. Because so again you know coming back crypto is not blockchain that's the first point right it's, it's completely different this is technology cryptocurrency is something else right uh, and, and that's a fundamental thing you know that we all need to understand that you know the spectrum is different Talking about a core infrastructure here, which is the blockchain. And then you have a cryptocurrency, which I completely agree, you know, is uh, like Andy brought it, brought it up as well. I don't think there could be a, a worldwide compliance regulatory framework for cryptocurrency, but for, for blockchain, for sure, you know. So let's make the differentiation at the start itself. And then understand that we're talking about blockchain here, you know, and, and uh, let's discuss how collaborations can be had in the blockchain uh, sector. Uh, Jenny, what was your question again? Can, I, I love uh, to answer. So, uh, uh, like, uh, how does like international cooperations and partnerships can benefit all parties? And actually, you know, like because I'm Chinese, I know it pretty well. Like the government really don't care about the technology if it doesn't make money, if it doesn't contribute to the GDP. They only care like what is the most important, like uh, maybe the the, the chips the GPU, like maybe the electronic car, and they can make a lot of money and tax on it. And those cryptocurrency they cannot tax on, they hate it. <laughs> like, so it's about the partnership and collaborations, inter cross-border collaborations, how it can benefit sure. everybody. 
Sure. I, 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 if, if that's the case, uh, this is not very much about uh, whether it's about crypto or whether it's about uh, whether it's about blockchain technology. I, I think in terms of uh, collaboration right now, uh, you know, I wear many hats. You know, I am also an advisor to Bybit Exchange. They are a, a huge um, derivatives exchange um, right now. Uh, we we partner with uh, Red Bull, Oracle Red Bull Racing. Um, we, 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 we 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 talk to uh, Red Bull and and their fans, you know, in in a in a very partnership manner. You know, we we try to use uh, and work with big brands to enlarge our footprint in the Web three space, right? enlarge our footprint with the big brands telling them, you know, how our NFT is going to work, right? NFT become a product, become a talking point. No one is going to talk about what blockchain is all about. So first point that I want to bring out is, you know, we should look at working with real commercial or big brands, you know, to increase our footprint you know, in the space to let more people know what we are trying to do. That kind of partnership can reach to many people compared to just trying to work this through an association or the government because the agenda is always different. When there is a commercial use case or where there's a demand in the commercial world, the government will then look at this in a very different light, you know, because if we work this through the, the big enterprises, you know, Jenny mentioned about taxation and so forth, all these things are will be accounted for, you know, within within that framework. So working with big brands, I think it is 100% the way to go. And, and again, the li- underlying um, uh, technology, you know, behind blockchain, yes, it is really amazing, you know, but after all, it is just a database, to be very honest. So the only way people will understand and resonate to what we are trying to do is the value that comes out from it. Whether or not it's through a product, you know, whether or not it's through cryptocurrency, this is the whole journey that we are all embarking right now. Thank you. Okay. Something went wrong with the system again? I think Jenny's again lost her voice. Okay. Yeah, but- no worries. You know, we are fast moving yeah. to the uh, end of the uh, uh, end, end of the session, actually. So maybe maybe out of curiosity, maybe I, I, sh- I should just uh, pose a question to all, all three of you, you know. Um, in, in your Web3 journey right now, you know, what what is the one thing that you would love to change if you have the ability to change it you know because i i have a few things that I, I love to change it but what what about what about all three of you chris maybe you can start first chris boy that is that is such a good question um and, and you had to call on me first right i, I don't even get time to, to think about it but um you know i i would go back to something i said earlier 
And, and I think that is to a lot of people looking at this space. Um, I think there's kind of an impression that, hey, if, if I'm going to get involved in blockchain or crypto, I've got to be someone very technical. I have to come from a background in software development. I have to understand networking and consensus and all these very complicated things going on behind the scenes. Um, <clears throat> And the truth is, yeah, you know, technical people are important, but they're just one part of the overall pie. You know, if you get a great group of engineers and they build the best product in the world, but you don't have someone good at sales and marketing, go out and tell the world why what you built is so great. Well, then what have you really accomplished? So, um, you know, if I could wave my magic wand and change anything, I, I would change that perception. I would let everybody know that, hey, regardless of your background, your skill set, what you enjoy, what you want to do day to day. Day, um, there's room for you here in this space and, and we would love to have you. I think that that is a really good point, Chris. I, I think that that magic wand got to swing harder, you know, to make it make that work. Raj, what about you? You know, I would. My wish would be to get rid of useless influencers, web three influencers in the space, which are really actually making no, they're doing no good for the industry. We have a lot of people who all of a sudden, you see the LinkedIn profiles from the last three years, from crypto evangelists to Web3 evangelists. That's a beautiful journey they've taken, only because that's, I mean, and some of them have become AI evangelists now, by the way. But anyway, that's one thing I would wish away. That's one. And I think, to add on to what Chris said, I think blockchain as a technology should be all about a conversation. It should be conversations. They should not be talking tech. We should not be talking, oh, as we said, the consensus mechanisms, the private blockchain permission. When we want to make a call, we just pick up our phone and make the call. That's what a guy wants to know. How can I make my call? Can I get a message? Can I get my voice across? That's it. 100 technologies runs inside a phone. Do you really need to know those? I don't think so. So I think it's all about a huge conversation which we need to have all the time. Just like you, I, I speak to my wife every day. She has no idea what is blockchain. Today, we have a conversation about blockchain just like we have about what's, what's going to happen for lunch. That's where we need to get and evolve ourselves into. Influencers, we don't need influencers which to have very little foundational knowledge. I started my blockchain journey in the in 2010. I was I was a miner way back in the US, by the way, Chris. Uh, I was a long time there. I, I did, I mean, it was illegal. It was legal out there, so I could do what I did. And I understood the technology. I understood by mining Bitcoin. I understood blockchain. That time, the only thing which we had was Satoshi's white paper to download and start learning something from there. So I downloaded that. Downloaded the footnotes from there and the footnotes from the footnotes, and that was my learning. That has been deep time learning. And after that, I only got hands on. I think that's what we need also. We need, instead of some influencers talking everything, we need people to really get educated and working on real life projects or at least getting simulated projects right after them. These are the things we need right now. What we don't need is a lot of hype. We've got a lot of hype around Web3. And if I ask most of the people in the Web3 space, can you get naming the Web3 stack? Nine on 10 won't be able to name the complete tech stack of Web3. Talk to about they'll talk. Oh, metaverse, metaverse. It's they only it's ARV. Ninety percent metaverses are ARVR. Now there's some movement going on in the right space, but in, especially in India, seventy to eighty ninety percent is all ARVR. We have very shallow knowledge in this space. Sometimes we need to have a deeper dive within that space, and therefore Web three is amazingly great, but not knowing it well. So the magic wand would say better knowledge, better awareness out of with influencers and 
in with the real good people inside who are doing it without no profit motive. I think that's very important. The profit motive, never going to make Web3 fly. Nice, nice one. Uh, Shaoresh? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you guys more, right? It's, it's uh, Especially with you, Raj, you know, with all these influences in there, it's really hurting the system. Right? And But, you know, one thing is that whenever there is money involved, there are bad players always. They always follow, right? But for me, I want to see the iPhone moment. I want to see the Napster moment. I mean, when I say Napster, years ago, I mean, I've been a, I've been an advocate of a peer-to-peer tech from day one. In the early 90s, uh, I'm not sure if you are, the, how old you are, Andy. I'm not sure you are there, there in the 90s. But I, used to use, I used to use file transfer protocols or FTPs. And that was my first journey with, uh, you know, a peer-to-peer transaction before any of any of them ever spoke about it, right? That was a proper share of value between two people. Then came Napster. They went and really centralized it right? and, and brought an app. So that was a that's a wow moment for that sector. iPhone came in and gave the wow moment for the phone we are waiting for the wow moment in web3 like i'm building something very special right i'm not pitching the product but i'm just saying that we're building a travel product it's built on web3 but it's not for web3 it's for everybody today's problem is every you know everybody in the web3 community are building products for web3 it's the same people they're targeting. Now, we got to build solutions for everyone. Like the travel solution that we are building is based on blockchain, but everybody is going to use it. You know, so we need a product, a solution like that to come out so people understand, like, uh, to and, and echo what Raj is saying, we should not be knowing we're using blockchain. We should not be knowing you know, I'm using an NFT, but the underlying tech is there. No problem. So once we solve all these, I think we are in a good space. And again, toward Raj and Chris said, we're still very early. It's how many years? Five to 10 years. You know, it's a, it's very, very young. Uh, we're here and uh, hopefully more enterprises, more governments join in. And I'm really, I'm really positive. I'm really excited for this technology and you know and i'm happy to meet everybody because we are today building the internet of tomorrow yeah that's, shall uh, I? Yeah, that's nice I... that's nice yeah oh i can speak right can you guys hear me yeah we hear you now welcome back <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with Salaj. I couldn't agree with him more. The reason that we are having this like crypto talk, blockchain talk, blockchain conference is actually weird. Have you ever heard of an internet conference, a PCP IP conference? No, because it's like, it's just like the air you're breathing, which means we're like super early. As uh, uh, Andy, sorry to interrupt you. Keep on going. No, no, I, I was just about to, uh, you know, to, to just say, I think, I think uh, yes, in in the, the good old days where the BitTorrent was around, you know, that's that's really a good product where you know peer to peer can then really you know exemplify and 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 spread to so many different people. But but for for my magic wand, I, I I still think that if I could change, 
I would I would try to find a better layer one to begin with. You know, that that is something that is more practical, something that is more uh, more of a base value for 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 everybody to build on. You know, that that magic one. If if it would ever happen, you know, I think changing the layer one to something a lot better and palatable would 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 actually expand our our journey a lot more right as, as for you know we talk about money you know we talk about um you know we talk about education and so forth i, I still think that the, the 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 main problem for many of these uh companies is that they, they they fail to make money you know they fail to make real revenue out from what they are trying to build you know if if they are not able to churn out any revenue this is not far away from a Ponzi scheme if they, if they are still selling their tokens, you know. So, you know, we are still around, you know, talking about blockchain and cryptocurrency for a reason. You know, I, I think we all did well. And uh, of course, we we hope that, you know, we could continue to do well in the next uh, next five years, right? Uh, back to you, Jenny. Thank you. Yeah, I'm totally agree. Uh, because the blockchain is like... Um evolutioning like really fast from the ICO, IDO, IEO and NFT, DID, layer one, layer two, ZK roll up and like a DeFi, uh, like a LSD, like like everything like happens so fast, like every month you got a new concept jumping out. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that like we're at very baby stage, like we are having a lot of opportunities. And I have this like very last question for Mr. Uh, Chris Bennett. Uh, blockchain has potential to revolutionize uh, various sectors. From your experience, can you tell us the most promising industries that could be beneficial from blockchain? Boy, Jenny, that's that's such a great question because it's such a hard one to answer, right? How do you, yeah. how do you narrow it down to any one particular industry? You know, again, we we look back at the internet. What what industry did the internet benefit the most? Well, it, it kind of not only benefited all the industries that existed at the time, um, but look how many new ones it created. So I, I think if I really had to pick, you know, probably the industry that benefits the most from all this technology is one that we don't even know about today, um, one that's that's going to emerge because of us using this technology. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the most exciting things to me is I, I think there's so much opportunity for us to work together, different organizations to work together, different uh, governments, countries, user groups, etc. Um, but oftentimes, one of the big problems we face is, okay, if we're just using centralized technology, whose technology are we going to use? You know, if Andy and I want to partner together and work on something, that's great. But do we keep all the information in his database or mine? Um, sometimes that gets to be a difficult question to answer. And uh, the great thing about this decentralized technology is we can kind of look at it as shared IT infrastructure between the participants. And I think um, that's going to open up so many doors in the future and the ramifications of that we're, we're probably just starting to come to terms with. So um, again, that's why I encourage everybody, regardless of background, regardless of skill set, if anything that we're talking about here today sounds interesting, um, dive in. <clears throat> we need help. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity. And you may be the one to start a new industry that doesn't even exist today. So how cool is that? That's true, because we're at the early stage. Think think of this, you are a college student at like uh, 70 that who studies computer science. <laughs> so 
so excited. And uh, actually, we have like 10 more minutes. So I want to give this last question to every one of our panelists. Uh, you can say like uh, anything you want. Uh, maybe uh, want to focus a little bit on the future of this industry, how you see the future, like where this industry is going, like where are the opportunities for a like individual investor? What should I prepare for? So who wants to go first? <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Cool. Okay, future. Let's 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 step back ten years. Uh, how many of us used to use Google Pay to make payments? So how, 10, 15 years back, hardly anybody. Uh, Chris is using it. Yeah, so Just one. <laughs> yeah, you still remain the minority if you're using it. But I'm talking about generally. In general, very few of us were using that because people first doubted the technology were not very sure how money is being transacted through a, you know through an app or whatever whatever fast forward it to now almost everyone's using some form of an electronic payment whether it is a google pay or an apple pay or a paypal or whatever it's the whole the whole scenario has changed there's been a paradigm shift in the history of any technology that's just a small little blip Actually, if you look at the 10 years or the 12 years, it's a very little blip. We are in that blip right now. Blockchain is going to be all pervading. I see, I see, I, I, but the government of India, for example, has got more than 90 to 95 projects on the blockchain. I'm working on about 18, 20 of them myself. So I know that there's a lot of action happening there. The government is actually a good barometer because they move, everybody believes that they move like an elephant, they are slow, but they move. Now, They've also taken out three documents on blockchain over the last four years in the national strategy and what's going to happen, the blockchain uh, road, road power, et cetera, all by the ministries. Now, that is a movement I see. I don't see that for AI. I don't see that for IoT. I'm not seeing that for any other technology. I'm seeing it for the blockchain space. Trend. That's a trend. The trend means that's what they believe in. That's what a lot of the government is believing that blockchain could be the silver bullet that they're really looking for. That's what they think. The third, I think, as I think Jenny said, every day there are something or the other popping up, ICO, IDO, IEO, all sorts of things. I think there are more abbreviations in blockchain than anything else. We could probably have a new lexicon out there, you know, that's what I think. But with that, that's not how it should be. I think, again, I go back to what I said. It should just be a smooth, free-flowing conversation, which tells you, oh, this is how we use it. Whether it's blockchain or AI or cloud, nobody really knows and nobody really cares. It should be conversational for everybody. And that's what's going to happen even for blockchain. And he also mentioned very nicely that, yes, there should be enterprise adoption. The enterprise would believe, all right, that's something, I see something in it. What's in it for me? I think people are going to all pivot towards making enterprise see what's in it for them rather than what they see in the product for themselves. Every founder thinks that, again, I've got the best product since, again, as I said, sliced bread. It's not that. The enterprise... That's the, the businesses should see that. I think that's where the pivot is going to be from perception, from positioning, from creating products which make sense and solve, as I said, the real world problems. There's a lot more going to happen, but I think the trends and of course, uh, we'll have the CBDCs coming up. Almost every country is going for a CBDC, whether they work or not. We will not. We will only time will tell. The Nigerians came up with it, but they stumbled. They stumbled a little, but they are again correct. There's a, a course correction again. India is doing a pilot. A lot of them, I see even by 2030, most countries using some form of a CBDC, either their own or somewhere else. I also see a lot of fractionalization of assets going forward in the future. 
I see that happening in the U.S. Right? I'm working as a, as a, I work very closely with a firm in USA. I'm an advisor there. We've just capped five billion dollars in asset fractionalization in India too. Yesterday we did the first one. It is it's made some waves here. Fine. I see a lot of assets being fractionalized, not just real estate, not just gold. We are fractionalizing right now. I'm even fractionalizing whiskey casks, my liners, jet planes. Wow. I mean, some of it is just a little bit of fads. Yes. But a lot of it, the world is moving towards a fractionalized database, fractionalized way of looking at things. I think fractionalization is going to be there. And finally, the economics of today are going to be the tokenomics for tomorrow. There's going to be a shift from the economics we talk about today to the tokenomics. And I'm not talking tokenomics from a crypto perspective only. I'm talking about from a serious learning point. We will need that. People will need to understand. And I think in the education space, economics will also have a supplementary subject called tokenomics. I'm speaking, I, I teach at about 40 universities right now. I teach tokenomics. So I know whether what I'm speaking about. Everybody wants to know whether they apply it or not. We'll see. But it's going to be. So the shift is going to be towards tokenomics, fractionalization, and pivoting of how the products are going to be made now. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, actually, uh, you know, I'm also working for a crypto exchange. I'm a uh, listing BD. So I review like uh, hundreds of projects every month. So real uh, real world assets, w, uh, uh, RWA, uh, which uh, Rod just mentioned, like was a huge thing right now. So uh, we truly see the trend is coming. So like definitely there are like a lot of opportunities. Like uh, many of my friends always complain to me, oh, like I should have bought Bitcoin when it's $200. I said, you're still early. Like you can still buy like a, a, a coin that goes like 1000 times. You know, so so there are always like opportunities as long as you just keep yourself like stay close to the information, you know, stay open minded and uh, and don't be be afraid of trying uh, such as the DeFi or something like uh, new things coming out. You just you just go to try it. Use like maybe twenty dollars uh, like the BRC20 NFT came out and then maybe you, you want to have a little try and even you felt it's only twenty dollars. But if you catch the trend it could be ten thousand times so my suggestion for like all this like individual investors is first stay alert you you need to like protect yourself like uh you know i know like many people not uh, familiar with the decentralized wallet uh they're not familiar with like all this like uh, approval things they uh, they click the wrong links and the approval like strange contracts and they like uh, do like strange transactions and lose everything and they complain on the project which doesn't make sense so you educate yourself and then you protect yourself stay alert and i always do this like uh mm. how, how can i say it like a training for for me and my friends we always have this game little game uh, the game's name is try to escape in one minute what, the, uh, what does it mean? Like when you heard a really bad rumor about an exchange, what should you do? You should run away no matter whether it's true or false. You run away within one minute. It only costs you one dollar, you know, and then you run away. Even if it's false, you just transfer it back. But like one percent of the chance, if it's real, you lose all your money. So I think like maybe like uh, for all the newbies, you can try that like uh, how i can escape within one minute so like before you enter you need to know like how i can run away so when something goes wrong uh, that is first 
be alert. And the second one is be, you know, open-minded, like always accept the new things. You don't call things scam, like even before you try it. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's for, you know, for me and, uh, slash, uh, like, uh, can you give us a little, like a tips? Well, you know, I'm somebody who don't like to talk about investing. Uh, into uh, blockchain and crypto assets. That's a very individual uh, uh, approach. And everybody should, you know, I, I understand that DYOR has been used aggressively, but I could not uh, tell you how important that is, you know, to learn before you even start putting in money into the industry, right? Uh, but to come to what are the industries that is let's say okay so blockchain has already done amazing stuff in the finance industry right that's the first industry it took hold of right i mean look at what bitcoin did years ago we had the barter system after the barter system you know we were using commodities gold and silver to trade Later, we were using plastic money. And now we have internet of money. It's, it's, it's what the blockchain has brought through. And it has changed finance in a whole different way. That industry has been disrupted, right? If you look at the new one, like Raj was saying, is a tokenization of real world assets. There are tons of opportunities there that everybody should look at uh, and get hands on. I mean, I, I, if, if I am investing, this is something that I'm eagerly looking at. You know, uh, I'm part of a project that's doing something like this. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people would advise you as well. The tokenization of real world asset is, is the new um, blockchain paradigm right now that everybody is trying to get into. Yeah, some great thoughts there. I'll, you know, kind of tie together with what Shalesh and Raj were both saying, you know, talking about uh, the, the fractionalization of assets. You know, I personally think there's a lot of opportunity if we look at those assets in our life where um, there's there's a big purchase price, right? The, the barrier to entry is pretty high, but then this is an asset that we don't get a lot of use out of. Um, I think those are areas that are prime for disruption. So we hear all the time um, about the arrival of self-driving cars. And uh, hey, you're going to go out, you're going to spend all this money for a self-driving car, and maybe it's going to take you to work in the morning and bring you home in the evening. But <clears throat> uh, the other 23 hours a day, it's just sitting there, not doing anything. Um, you know, areas like that in our lives, I, I think, are prime candidates for disruption, for this idea of um, fractional asset ownership and leasing. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say to anyone looking to, to maybe make an investment in the future, um, that, that would be my advice. Look there. I, I think that's where we're going to see the most amount of disruption early on. Right. You got, I, I'll, I'll shift a little bit of that, uh, you know, from what, what both Shellish and Chris have. Actually, I'm working on probably the best investment for the Web3 sector myself uh, with the government of Goa in India. One of the governments, city governments is actually, you know, we've signed an, a memo, you know, an agreement with them to create the world's largest Web3 ecosystem and a district in India itself right now in Goa. 
it's the whole project is called web free on the sea so when we talk about projects we are going to have a lot of use cases being built here the centers of excellence within this space and they're all going to be the ship my friends we're going to have, we've actually put together five beautiful ships which are going to be accelerators for web three projects and of course everything is going to be in this because i think what is missing right now is a very strong robust ecosystem now we'll have investors we'll have vcs we'll have a founder school we're going to have a lot of things we're going to have about in the next three years the government and i we plan to have about a thousand units in 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 this beautiful i stay in goa by the way as you can see uh it's going to have all this now we have we're creating an ecosystem i think the investment is now in the ecosystem right now which is a bigger investment if you look at the larger picture if you look at the landscape that's where we are reaching at so it's it's, it's based on a principle called live learn work play and we are making this destination from vacation to a vacation destination. So we are doing a lot of work here to see. And we just signed that off two months back. So it's just fresh off the, you know, off the, <laughs> off the table. So that's something which is the investment which I would like to make. I'm putting some money. Uh, we've got a lot of other people putting in some money in this space. More than money, I think we're actually investing in the future of a technology, not just blockchain, but other technologies that will emanate along with or work closely with blockchain. So I think that is an investment which I see as the biggest investment. It's a little deviation from all the other investments. Of course, I've already talked about the fractionalization, etc. But this is an investment I think will pay dividends not just uh, to the ecosystem, but to the nation as well, and then maybe to the rest of the world. That's true. That's true. Very true. And uh, thank you guys so much for 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 coming to this like discussion for the all about crypto. And we are wrapping up today. Uh, and thank you all for coming. And uh, let's stay alert and stay open minded. And thank you all. Thank you. Jenny. Bye. Yeah, thank, thank you, Jenny. You. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you so much uh, for uh, moderating the session. So as we wrap up this enlightening talk show, I would like to extend my sincere gratitude to all our esteemed panelists, Chris Bennett, Raj Kapoor, Andy Lian, Shailesh Kunat, and Jenny Zeng for conducting this amazing talk show. Uh, I'd, I'd also like to apologize for the technical glitches that happened throughout the show, but you guys kept the energy going and kept the show interesting for all of us your valuable insights expertise and passion for blockchain technology have enriched this discussion and inspired us all your contributions have shed light on the transformative power of blockchain fostering innovation and collaboration worldwide i would also like to express our gratitude to all the delegates who joined us today we hope that today's talk show has provided you with valuable knowledge thought-provoking ideas and a deeper understanding of blockchain's potential to reshape our world uh, as we have limited time, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I would like to ask the panelists, uh, like if you guys, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to uh, address some of the questions from the audiences. Uh, that be okay. I need, I need to go, my friend. I have another meeting to go to, but I'm happy to answer any questions. Either they can connect on LinkedIn or write to me directly. I'll happily do so. Either a lot of questions. In fact, that is what I'm going to say. A lot of questions, but the time is out. I unfortunately really have to go to another meet. So, my guys, uh, you'll have to let me go. We'll, I will go. So, Shailesh, Keres, great meeting you guys. And uh, let's keep the conversation going, as I said. It's all about conversations, right? Uh, thanks for everything, guys. I'm going to hop off now. And I'll see you some other time, I'm sure, very soon. Bye-bye for now. Thanks, Raj. Bye, Thank Raj. You, Raj. Bye. Bye, Raj. Bye.
So, uh, Chris and Shailesh, I'd like to ask you the same question. If you guys are like uh, time for one or two questions, if it's fine. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, first question uh, we have. Okay, it's for you, Chris. I just uh, so the question goes: As a prominent Web three educator, what are the key skills and knowledge areas you believe individuals should focus to thrive in rapidly evolving blockchain industry? So from the audience to you, Chris, uh, your answer. Yeah, that's such a great question. Uh, whoever asked it, thank you very much because it's one that comes up uh, so often. Um, but what I would say is, you know, rather than than trying to conform yourself to blockchain, in other words, um, don't look at, at blockchain and say, okay, what are what are the skills that are needed the most? What should I learn? How should I change myself to fit into blockchain? Um, look at it the other way around. Ask yourself, you know, what is it I already know how to do? What am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? What skills do I already have and find a way to bring those to blockchain and I, I know I've said this a couple times today but um, you know one of the the worst tragedies out there right now in the world of blockchain is everybody thinks you have to be someone very very technical you need to come from this technical software developer background and that's not true blockchain projects need good sales and marketing people they need good finance people they need good HR people and great project managers so um, find whatever it is you're passionate about find the thing that you love to do that brings you joy um, and then find a way to do that in blockchain and uh, you know if any of you guys are are maybe struggling with that um, hit me up send me a message on LinkedIn or, or shoot me an email and I'd be more than happy to explore that in more depth with the offline uh, thank you so much Chris for the for your answer it was a re, uh, really insightful answer that you gave so uh, the audience has a question for you too, Jenny, uh, as a media professional and blockchain expert, what challenges and uh, opportunities do you foresee for mainstream adoption of blockchain technology in the coming years uh, forward? So the from the audience to you, Jenny, your answer. Well, I say like more opportunities than challenges. Uh, like I mentioned previously, I also for a like top three exchange as a listing manager. So I uh, we are actually working with a lot of lot of like Web two giants right now, and they are trying their best to get into Web three to absorb all this like new blood, new Web three like high tech blood. And what they are trying to do is like they are trying to like uh, uh, like uh, convert this Web three uh, young people to their like Web two platform. They're they're having a lot of like a really interesting approach. Let me give you one example. Uh, Alibaba, uh, which is like one of the biggest company from China and uh, because of its uh, monopoly now it's been separated into like six companies and the overseas one is called AliExpress. And AliExpress recently worked with us on a like NFT job. So this is really interesting. So on AliExpress, you click into mine and then you can see like mint the NFT. And after, uh, and if you want to mint the NFT, you want, uh, you need to be whitelisted. How I can, how you can be whitelisted, you need to refer two of your friends to register AliExpress and order some like uh, uh, products on AliExpress and ship to your own home. So you need to buy from a e-commerce like Web2 uh, e-commerce uh, website to get whitelisted for a Web3 NFT which is super cool. So I love their ideas. And not only Alibaba is doing that, we also see Starbucks is, you know, doing their like membership card with NFT, which is super exciting. 
they don't even like for this for this like giants they don't even want to make money on nft they don't want any money from you they just want to just use nft as a tool so blockchain as it is as a tool no longer you know as a speculation thing so i'm so happy to see it because like for the first uh i'll say for the first five years of my career uh, crypto career i always see you know people only think of like blockchain as you know some something that you can make a quick buck but now the world is changing you can see a lot of people really using this as a tool because it's convenient because it creates value so we are actually creating value so which means this this product or whether it's an nft or a token it got real value back it up so not only Starbucks, Alibaba, Coochie is doing that. Uh, Louis Vuitton is doing that. They are they are collaborating with some like a uh, uh, top artists and doing NFT and Red Bull Racing. Just just now, Andy has mentioned that. Like even the F1 champion team, they are dropping a NFT with Bybit. How cool is that? And they're not expecting to make any money. They are just doing a fan engagement, and fans love it. And they drop it last uh, last Friday, I think. And today the price is three times, and so uh, and uh, one thing like uh, not to ignore gaming, like before like people play Web three game only you know play to earn, they they are not playing it. It's like a work. It's 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 not playable. It's boring. Nobody like that game. But now in twenty twenty three is play and learn, play and earn. So it's fun. It's like Web2 giants, they're getting into like Web3 games. So they're making some super fun game. And by playing that game, you can own the NFT as a souvenir, or you can use it as a character in the game and earn token. So so like uh, we are getting to a new phase of blockchain. So I'm seeing more opportunities than challenges because we're solving that, solving it out. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jenny, for that uh, wonderful and insightful answer. Uh, I think uh, we'll just uh, one last question for uh, Shailesh. So uh, how do you see uh, blockchain technology contributing to the advancement of in uh, industries like healthcare, fintech and supply chain management? Like, And what are the key hurdles that need to be addressed for broader adoption in these sectors? The audience to you, Shailesh, uh, your answer. Thank you so much for the question uh, and thanks everybody for taking the time to hear us out. So uh, like we all discussed earlier, right? blockchain has disrupted right now mainly the finance industry, but it's right. It's taken off in other industries like healthcare, supply chain, you know, in supply chain, especially, you know, there are blockchains who give the end to end traceability, you know, from the warehouse all the way to your home where the product has been what has been the journey right it gives you complete transparency so the in the supply chain industry definitely you know a lot of companies are using this uh, including you know big brands like louis vuitton they have uh, been trying to use blockchain to fix the supply chain issues uh, and one of the new uh, industry that the blockchain is really disrupting is travel and uh, you know i want to bring up something what jenny said about nft so etihad airline has uh, i think last week 
release the NFTs and it's got proper utility. If you own the NFT, you automatically upgrade it from the basic uh, guest to uh, a, a new tier of guest experience only by holding the NFT. And in addition to that, it gives you extra perks. Right? So the travel industry is being disrupted in a big way. I'm working for a company where uh, you can hold an NFT and that will give you 30% off on all hotel nights. And, and I did mention earlier that, you know, we are still waiting for the, the iPhone moment. And, and these are the products that's going to give us the iPhone moment. Imagine holding an NFT and unlocking 30% discount in hotels. Imagine holding an NFT like Etihad uh, Airways did. It gives you all these perks uh, like uh, free upgrades, you know, etc. So really exciting space. Uh, different industries are still still only looking at the, the 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 tipping point, but there's so much more that's coming out in there. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Shailesh, for such an insightful answer. Uh, so with that, we uh, we uh, sadly come to the end of the Q and A rounds. Uh, I'm very, really sorry about, uh, you know, some of the questions that couldn't be taken up because of the shortage of time. But I'd like to thank everyone for your participation. Uh, we are unfortunately un unable to accommodate any more questions at this time and we must conclude the session. We hope you found the talk show insightful and informative. If you have any additional questions or would like to continue the conversation, please don't hesitate to contact us through our website or social media platforms. Thank you for joining us at the talk show. We appreciate your presence and active participation during the event. As a token of our appreciation, we are delighted to offer you an exclusive opportunity. You will receive a special code for the main event with an exclusive flat 40% discount on your registered email addresses. This exceptional deal is exclusively available for those who attended the talk show. Thank you once again for being a part of our event and we can't wait to see you at the main event. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to having you back with us for our next talk show very soon. Stay tuned for more uh, engaging discussions and insightful conversations on the latest topics and innovations. Until then, take care. See you next time. This is your host, Yusuf, signing off. Thanks, Yusuf. Bye. 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 Thank you, guys. Bye. <laughs>